Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, October 24th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Steve Hellwagon. A lot to get into, Steve. We're going to talk a lot about uh, the big Penn State game this week and uh, and some other stuff uh, about Buckeye football. I want to start off talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, I'm very concerned that, that we've seen the last of him playing for the Buckeyes. My gosh, I hope I'm wrong, Steve, but... Um, your thoughts on that? I know the company line afterwards was it was just a pitch count. There was even some talk that maybe it was a knee, not a re-injury, re-injury of the hamstring. Sure looked to me like he re-injured the hamstring, and I won't be surprised if uh, we've seen the last of JSN out there playing. And, Steve, I hope I'm wrong. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was watching the play pretty closely, and uh, he ran a, a route kind of a deep out toward the Ohio State bench, and as he – was slowing down. It was obviously he was pulling up lame and uh, he was favoring his leg pretty bad and went to the sideline and didn't go to the 10. He kind of stood there on the near sideline near, you know, the, the sideline by the action instead of going over to the bench. And he was talking to the trainers and then Brian Hartline came over and it didn't seem like anybody was really too urgent about his situation. And so, you know, you take what Ryan Day said that, well, it just coincidentally was the end of his day that we had pre-described on his play count or whatever. That just seems a little bit too convenient of an explanation to me. Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com kind of pressed him on that on a redirect, you know, later in the press conference, like, really, that's really what we're going with here on this, but because uh, it was obvious in front of everybody that he came up lame. And um, I don't know what to think. 
Uh, we're going to have more JSN watch, obviously, all week. Did he practice? Is he healthy? And it's unfortunate because this guy was a preseason All-American, had such a great game in the Rose Bowl, and you thought he was primed to be an All-American and a top-10 NFL draft pick this coming year, and now it's all kind of clouded. And um, even to the point where maybe he decides to come back to try and boost his draft stock. Although I think if he's healthy and can show that next, you know, January, February, March, then he's still a top, you know, first round draft pick, I guess. But I don't know what you can do. I mean, it, it, you're healthy to a point and you feel you can get back in there and be full go and be effective. And yet, you have a, a relapse or a reoccurrence of some sort, and it just it continues to be a setback. It continues to be a setback. The only good thing I could say is at least Ohio State's got some guys that can fill in. I mean, we saw Julian Fleming, Mecca Buca, and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. You can't keep uh, three good men down, so uh, they're they're a tough tough threesome for anybody to to. Uh, contend with and Cade Stover got back into the mix as well at tight end. So uh, from the team standpoint, they, they will survive. They're going to move on uh, regardless of what Smith, the Jigba stat is. He's, he really hasn't contributed anything this year, five catches in three games. And here they are with the best offense in football and uh, doesn't seem to be slowing down at all because of that. But uh, at this point, all your hope is that everything turns out good for him and, and, you know, perhaps this was just a minor setback and he's back out there this week, but it didn't look like that to me. No, no. I mean, I'll be surprised if he plays at, at all. Hopefully he's able to return for Michigan or the postseason. I mean, Jalen Waddell came back for the national championship game, um, you know, against Ohio State and everybody thought, you know, you know, he's just going to sit out. You know, he had didn't have anything to to play for, right? I mean, if Ohio State's in the national championship game and JSN can play, maybe that's when we'll see him again. Um, problem we would like to have, right, that Ohio State's in the national championship game and we're wondering if they're going to have JSN or not. Um, okay, I was going to ask you about Marvin Harrison Jr. later. Um, my goodness gracious. And I could tell watching it live, he was making just insane throws. Then I, I uh, you know, after I watched my Bengals win yesterday – then I was in such a good mood. I rewatched the Ohio State game. I wanted to just rewatch the second half, Steve, but I watched the whole thing. Um, and and I, I was blown away watching it live. Some of these catches Marvin Harrison Jr. was making, rewatching it and then rewinding it and watching it in super slow motion, maybe 100, 200 times. Okay, I'm exaggerating a little bit. I'm telling you, man, this guy's unbelievable. I don't know if you heard this, but Joel, because you were at the game, I don't know if you rewatched it, but Joel Klatt said multiple times. He thinks Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be the best wide receiver in the NFL in five years. The best wide receiver in the NFL in five years. And then Jamar Chase came up to the press box and then beat up Joel Klatt. No, he didn't do that. Um, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is making insane catches, and I'm here for it, Steve. Yeah, I agree. The catch on the sideline uh, over the defender, that's the second time Stroud's done that to Marvin Harrison Jr., throwing it over a defender, and he makes a, an incredible you know, just kind of a, you know, one of these things while he's running, sliding, jumping, whatever. That was amazing. His route on the touchdown was nothing. Uh, that was as top shelf as it gets because he runs his defender off and is running the outcut. And not only is he running an outcut, Dave, but very rarely will you see the outcut come curl back to the football, which 
was the only way that that pass really gets completed because he improved the angle uh, for C.J. Stroud to get it in there. He caught it as he's going out of bounds and caught it and had it over on the – I don't know which side of his body it would have been. I guess it would have been, I don't know, his right side of his body, whatever it was. And he got it past the pylon and then stepped out of bounds in the end zone. And when I watched it the first time, I didn't even need to watch it a second time. I'm like, yep, that's a touchdown. And the official who was standing right there, you know, he looked at it. He's like, are you – the official in his mind had to be like, are you kidding me? Are what? you kidding me? And he put both <laughs> He put both hands in the air, and the whole place just went nuts. And that route, to me, speaks volumes. It wasn't just a, a run him off and then a 90-degree a turn to the sideline like most outs, you know, to gain separation – no, he curled that thing back and still had room to be in the end zone for the touchdown. That is just beyond. I mean, that is a higher level of football that you just can't teach people. And uh, he helped his quarterback out on that play and still got the touchdown. Uh, those two plays were just out of this world. And uh, Stroud, I think – it was a tale of two halves, obviously, for him. Uh, two halves in one play, let's just say that, because that first play of the second half was ill-advised. Uh, to me, again, you scratch your head as we talk about in the postgame, throwing it into coverage instead of taking the 20 yards of greenfield turf they are giving you. You know, he would no one would have touched him. He could have tucked that ball and run to the Iowa sideline for 15 yards and and – you know, live to play another down. Instead, he's keeping it alive, keeping it alive. I'm going to keep it alive. I'm going to keep it alive. You never throw late over the middle. Never, never, ever, 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 never. But, you know, he's trying to make a play and, uh, you know, give Iowa credit. Uh, you know, they, they did have some good players out there on defense, even though Ohio State in the second half just just riddled them. Four touchdown passes for him in the second half just uh, – and, you know, I think Iowa rolled over and played dead eventually. That was with my friend. I was at the Big Ten basketball meetings two weeks ago, and he said it to a T. He goes, Ohio State will drive down a score. Then they'll kick a field goal. It'll be 17-3 to at halftime. It was 26-10, to so pretty close. And then Iowa will quit, and uh, it'll be 38-3, to 38-10, to whatever it was, and that's basically how it ended up. So my buddy had the formula down down to a tee that the defense from Iowa would give them hell for about a, two quarters, and then they'd roll over and play dead, and that was what happened. Yeah, I give Ohio State credit. Ryan Day finally had enough of it. They wanted to commit to the running game, and Iowa was just stacking the box and trying to get after Stroud. That was their strategy. So they stopped the run and then don't give Stroud much time to throw, try and get after him, um, and it was working. Finally, Ohio State said, fine, we're just going to air it out, and, you know, we're going to – Fine. Ohio State averaged 2.2 yards per carry. That's <laughs> – that's a problem. Even again, we have to acknowledge Iowa has a, an excellent defense. They really do. And if you're on that Iowa defense, you've got to be thinking, like, what in the hell? Like, if we didn't have literally the worst offense in college football, they're ranked 131st out of 131 teams. And that was before the Ohio State game, where Ohio State held them 100 yards under their already pathetic average. If you could drop any further, they would, but they can't. If you're on that Iowa defense, you must be thinking, if we just had, like, a below average offense, we'd be a pretty good team. Anyway, all right. Let's talk about this Penn State game. Um, you and I were talking a little bit before the show. I, I think because of the Michigan game, the, the Penn State, how they just laid an egg, 
egg against Michigan. I think some people are not overlooking this game. If you're a Buckeye diehard, you know better than anybody that Penn State gets up for Ohio State like no other team. They're going to bring their A game, especially in Happy Valley. I don't care that it's not – I mean, I do care. I'm glad it's not a whiteout at night. That'll help. But it's still going to be a raucous atmosphere there. Buckeyes favored by 15 and a half. Steve, um, your thoughts on this matchup this Saturday in Happy Valley? Wow. Ohio State's won five straight games in the series. The last time uh, that they um, lost was in 2016 over uh, Penn State where they had the lead and they, what, had the field goal blocked and maybe a punt blocked or something. I think, you know, gave up 10 points on special teams uh, there and lost the game like 24-21, something stupid like that. Uh, then you had the two big comeback games in 2017 and 2018. The 2019 game escapes my memory. Don't really recall much about that. But 2020, Penn State was terrible, and Ohio State won over there like 38-25. And then last year, it was 33-24, or 30, 33-24, something like that at home, and Ohio State didn't cover against an okay Penn State team. Uh, so uh, Penn State, uh, they were 7-6 and six last year. Uh, Penn State gives Ohio State tough games. That's just the way it is. And in this instance, uh, their back is completely against the wall. Uh, they have no margin for error. Uh, even to get into a New Year's Six Bowl, they probably uh, need to win this game. Uh, I don't know. It, it – uh, to me, uh, it's a little bit of a setup for Ohio State going over there. But I think there was enough that went wrong in the Iowa game, at least for the offense, that that it should be a little bit of cold water, that you've got to get back to executing your run game and uh, be effective running the football and setting up uh, you know, the run and setting up the pass with the run, I suppose. But uh, you, know, you never know what the conditions are going to be like. I mean, it should be a nice day Saturday playing at noon there at Penn State. It will not be a whiteout, obviously, but they'll have 110,000 fans there, and it will be uh, it'll be off the chain, no doubt about it. So Ohio State hasn't experienced this. Michigan State, those fans left at halftime when Ohio State was dominating that game. And uh, two years ago, uh, it was an empty stadium at Penn State because of COVID. So Ohio State really has not experienced this type of uh, road atmosphere other than Michigan last year, for the guys who were on that trip, they'll remember that. So, um, you know, first really difficult road game of the season at Michigan or at Penn State, and uh, you know, buyer beware on this one. I, I just, um, I don't know. I have to get more into it and and see see what I think. I don't think Penn State's got a dynamic offense. I mean, they did score four touchdowns in the second half against Minnesota, but Minnesota was all banged up you know, obviously with the quarterback out and, and different things. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see how this one turns out. But uh, got to go out and play a much better game, a cleaner game offensively, uh, which is weird to say after you've scored 54 points. But, uh, you know, you can do better, you know, than, than they showed in the last game. Question to get here. This is from Larry on YouTube. Good morning, Bucknutters. Guys, do you think that Iowa exposed a weakness with our offensive line and running game? He says he also notices that Stroud seems to panic under pressure and just throws the ball up for grabs. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, two really good observations there, Larry. I think um, 
you know, time will tell, you know, if this was just a blip on the radar and you have to give Iowa credit because, you know, their 11 on defense are, are as good an 11 as, as Ohio State might see until Michigan or the playoff, uh, you know, again, um, I, I don't know. I mean, their, their linebacker, uh, Jack Campbell, had an interception in this game, and I think he's uh, an all-Big Ten guy. Uh, they had some guys in the secondary who are pretty good as well. But uh, eventually Ohio State, is, as we alluded to earlier, chipped away and was able to make some nice plays and some big plays later in the game, but never did get the running game on track. And it just seemed like every time Ohio State needed two yards, Iowa successfully stacked the box and and, and even, even had them losing yardage on some of those plays. So – uh, I think it's back to the drawing board for Ohio State to a to a degree. Uh, I think you have to tip your hat a little bit to Iowa for uh, for how well that they played against the run. But you know it's a 60 minute football game, and Ohio State had ways to overcome it, as Dave said. Um, you know, is the weather going to be conducive for them to do that in the late season games against Michigan? You know that. That seems to be the only one that will really matter, I think, because I don't think Maryland is going to have a defense that stands up quite like that. And the other three games, well, you know, Penn State, we'll see. But uh, Northwestern and Indiana, I don't think it's going to matter one way or the other. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, uh, I guess I want to go back and watch it myself. I've not rewatched the game yet just to figure out exactly what went wrong. But uh, when they needed it down on the goal line, uh, they put in Fryer. And he and G. Scott and uh, Paris Johnson blew open a nice big hole and Mayan Williams walked into the end zone. So that was at least good to see, I suppose. They won one battle, Dave, but uh, seemed to lose a lot of other ones. Yeah, uh, all right, let's get into some good stuff. Um, Tommy Eichenberg, I just wrote a column, what we learned that I posted this morning. I do the podcast that you were a part of, what we learned live after the game, our post-game podcast. I do a written version every Monday morning, so I just posted that to Bucknuts. And I am Tommy Eichenberg's campaign manager for the Buckus Award. I mean, it's right here. Like, the Buckus Award voters better be paying close attention or I'm going to be on their ass. Like this. He better win the Buckus if he, if he stays healthy and keeps doing this. And Zach Harrison coming of age, you and I talked about that in the postgame uh, podcast. Zach Harrison had his best game as a Buckeye. Um, love seeing that. He's been much maligned. Um, could go on and on. Marvin, we already talked about Marvin, but let's focus on, as somebody said earlier, Tommy Two Guns and, and Marvin Harrison, excuse me, Marvin Harrison and Zach Harrison. Harrison. Uh, those two guys, Tommy Eichenberg and Zach Harrison. Played yeah, he, Tommy came into the uh, the press conference. I called him Touchdown Tommy. He kind of bristled a little <laughs> bit, you know, because he, he doesn't like the uh, – the, uh, Did he grunt? Did he grunt? He or like Noles is telling us, Tommy, you did this wrong. Mm. 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 He doesn't mm. like the acclaim very much. He doesn't mm. like the attention. And, no. uh, you know, that's good. He's a humble guy, and uh, he works really hard. And uh, he is a self-made man. He has put himself in this position. I think he's all Big Ten, lock, and uh, working toward All-American, I think, right now. We'll see if he can make some some game-changing plays. The thing I like is when, they, when a team's try to run the ball in Ohio State, he is as sure-handed as it gets. He's, they're not slipping tackles from him anymore like maybe they did a year ago. And uh, he has really worked hard on his game. His tackling is outstanding. 
Uh, he made the interception that was thrown right to him, returned it for a touchdown. That's one of those highlight real plays that will help him become an All-American type guy like James Laurinaitis had that big interception against Texas years ago that kind of jump-started his candidacy, you know, you know, for whatever honors he was going to get. But uh, to me, he is right there. Zach Harrison has worked really hard as well to not have a whole lot to show for it over a four-year period. But uh, he is delivering consistent, constant pressure on the quarterback. I believe he was in the quarterback's face on the first play when Tanner McAllister threw the interception, or rather Tanner McAllister caught the interception uh, from uh, Petrus. I think he was in Petrus's face. The right tackle, as I was watching in my binoculars, was having a very difficult time blocking Zach Harrison, and he was in the backfield over and over again. Knocked the ball loose, obviously, for a fumble. Lathan Ransom recovered it, had another tackle for loss, and uh, batted down a third down pass, I think, later in the game. So, as you said, one of his, if not his best game. And uh, if he's going to play like that the rest of the way and make it difficult for opposing teams to execute their passing offense, uh, that's going to be a huge, huge benefit for Ohio State. They, you know, it's not necessarily sacks all the time. If you can get that straight line pressure right in a guy's vision, uh, you can force an interception. And we saw it on Saturday. They were in the quarterback's grill and uh, created turnovers, six turnovers for Ohio State. Uh, one of them, obviously, a fumbled snap, so you don't get much credit for that, other than Teron Vincent was. You know, Tehran on the spot to follow on the ball, but uh, otherwise, forcing turnovers, that's that's how you play great defensive football. Yep, number two defense in the country right now, the Buckeyes. Entered with the number five defense in the country. And playing Iowa, You're that's that's good for the stats right there when you play Iowa. Now they're, they're the number two defense in the country. Head, you know, just tip of the cap to Jim Knowles as uh, – Jim Graham said on uh, YouTube. All right, let's get you out of here on this one. Um, this is from Sarge on YouTube. Has Chip Train and moved to running back since he ran the ball at least once at the end of the game? Yeah, he's been repping there. Um, I, I also, uh, TC Caffey, who's now the fourth string running back, um, he was banged up. He was unavailable. So I think that played into it as well. So Chip's kind of cross training. He's the backup middle linebacker, but with Tommy. Yeah, touchdown, Tommy. Tommy, two guns. You know, to you know, Tommy, Tommy Butkus doing his thing. It, being the backup middle linebacker means you're not getting any snaps at middle linebacker until the game is completely over. So yeah, I mean, Chip. I don't know if he's fully moved to to running back, Steve, but uh, yeah, he's obviously been uh, repping there and, and did get a carry. What do you think? Yep, I read that he's a swing player and uh, he is going to rep some on both sides of the ball, and it makes perfect sense because he's got the skill set to be able to impact the game on either side of the ball. And he also still valuable, very valuable on the special teams. The coverage units uh, moved uh, from the return spot to an up-back position where he was blocking for Xavier Johnson, and that may be – a great uh, credit. I know in my story about the game, I incorrectly listed that it was Denzel Burke that made that play on the punter because I just saw number 10. It turns out when I looked at it again, it was Xavier Johnson, number 10, and Caden Curry, who uh, that poor guy, the punter, you want to talk? I'm indecisive trying to figure out a place to eat a lot of nights. I want to tell you that guy couldn't decide should I run this? Should I punt this? Should I punt this? Should I run this? 
There's a lot of green space in front of me. I think I might whack. <laughs> he almost punted it at the line. He was at the line of scrimmage and was about ready to punt it. And before he knew it, he was ass over tea kettles uh, planted on the ground. And uh, he, he made a mistake that he will not soon make again. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. In a game where Iowa didn't need a mental mistake like that, uh, he made one, no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I loved it. I, I mean, the so many guys, so these young guys, I mean, Caden Curry making that play, and then, you know, the, the, so we had – He's got stud up. written all over him, Dave. Yeah, yeah he does. It. He's yeah, got they stud written all over him. If they didn't have – if they weren't stacked at D-end, he'd be playing a lot as a true freshman at defensive end right now, but they're stacked at defensive end. But I love Caden Curry. I like what these young pups are doing on the kickoff coverage team. Um, you know, we had somebody mention Sonny Styles slammed a guy down. I see Kai Stokes out there flying around. Um, other, I'm leaving guys out too. There's just guys out there that I just love on that kickoff coverage team. Um, I think young, Kai Stokes forced the fumble. I think. What's I think, that? I think Kai Stokes may have forced the last fumble. I think. I, I'm six turnovers. They come yeah. in with they come in with only five turnovers forced on the season, and they get six. Love it. Also love Steve Hellwagon, always coming strong. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate your insights. Thank you for getting up early and doing this with me. Thank you for your time. Uh, appreciate Steve. Thank you to all the listeners and viewers out there. Big week, guys. Thank you so much. Big week, Penn State week. Big week, right. number 13, Focus. Penn State. Don't look ahead to, to November 26th yet, even though I've been looking ahead to it all offseason. So do what I say, not, not as I do. But, uh, hey, Penn State will come ready to play. They always do. I think the Buckeyes will be fine. But uh, I don't expect a blowout. Uh, I hope it's a blowout. But um, good win for the Buckeyes. That was the the, the, the most criticized 44-point win in school history. Ohio State beats Iowa 54-10, to 10, and most of it was negative comments. It's like, man, I mean, just, just focus on the second half, I guess, if you're uh, one of you negative now. Um, great stuff from Steve. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. We appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.